You're listening to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Newark. We're coming to you to bring knowledge and some courage as we voyage through this life as missionary disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with my friend and colleague, Father John Gordon. Hello and welcome to the Heart of the Ark podcast. My name is Jennifer Banke. I am the Associate Director of Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Newark, and I am joined today by Sister Marie Paul, a novice with the Dominican Nuns of Summit. Thank you so much, Sister, for joining us today. Thank you for coming and inviting me to join. I'm really, really appreciative of this. I uh, came to ask you to be on the podcast as we continue our conversations in the month of June around the idea of love as a vocation. And I figured I should show up to a cloistered monastery and because you guys understand it like no one else does. So before we begin, if you wouldn't mind um, leading us in a prayer. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity today um, to just have a chat and discuss love and discuss um, all the ways that we can love you and do love you um, and the great gifts that you have given us in that love and the mercy you have for us. Please be with us today, um, guide our words, and help us glorify you in all things. And I ask um, Mother Mary to pray for us as well. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you, sister. So I understand that you're a novice here. And so could you explain to me and the listeners what that means? So formation in religious life takes several years. Um, In the church's wisdom, she gives us many years to discern and also to be formed uh, in the life. And particularly in monastic life, it is so different from anything you're used to. You're really leaving the world. You're leaving your you know, everything that you have known behind uh, and enter this different world, this world that has been going on without you for a while um, and you try to integrate yourself into that. So we have a lot of years of formation and a lot of opportunity um, to learn the life and to be formed in the life. So we start as a postulant and we have a year of postulancy uh, and postulant meaning you're, you know, postulating. You don't have any real proof yet that you're meant to be here, um, but you're going to give it a try. So we, for a year, you wear a blue jumper, so you don't even have the habit yet. Um, you have your, you don't have a religious name yet. You have your, keep your baptismal name, um, and you just live the life for a year and see if it's for you. Um, after that year, you can be admitted into the novitiate. And so we have two years of, of being officially a novice. Okay. So um, I'm in my second year, and so I'm not in any vows yet. I have not taken any vows to be here, but again, just growing in the life, continuing to be formed and taking classes, um, still under a novice mistress, so even more specific or uh, you know, personal attention and formation um, to help us discern and also to grow in the life and, you know, find your place in the community. That must be a huge uh, part of 
the experience of monastic life is finding a community that God is calling you to be a part of. So I understand that you're not from around here. So can you talk to me about how you got to Summit, New Jersey and the Dominican nuns? Yes. Oh, man. How much of the story do you want? Um, (laughs) As much as you're comfortable with. (laughs) So I grew up in the panhandle of Texas around Amarillo. So the top square part of Texas. I went to school at Texas A&M University, so down south. Um, In the middle of that, or yeah, my sophomore year of college, uh, God really showed up in my life one day at a at a retreat and during adoration, and He kind of just showed me that this life I have planned for myself just wasn't going to be what make me happy, what it was going to fulfill me. You know, that wasn't really what I was made to do. I didn't really know how to respond to that, even though I knew it was real. You know, He showed up. He showed me this is so, there's something else I have in mind for you, but life has a certain momentum, so it took me some time to respond. But it was a couple years later, I was doing an internship and it was, it was my plans, you know, everything I had in mind, the direction I was heading, you know, it was just an internship, but I could see that if I followed on the path I was, it would be more of the same, you know, more, maybe a bigger job with more responsibility, but that, you know, that sort of thing. And it was never going to fulfill me. That became really clear um, one summer. So I finally gave God a chance and gave his ideas. Like maybe I should listen and, and give this religious life thing a try. Um, so I went back to college. That was, I had that realization or really made the commitment the summer before my senior year of college. I went back and finished my degree because what else was I going to do at that point? Um, but without any real intention of using it. Um, and I began to discern uh, with intentionality, I guess, that year. But it wasn't a quick process for me, discernment. So at the end of my year, of my last year of school, I still had no idea. I hadn't visited any communities. What was I going to do with my life? Um, I had to do something. So I ended up doing mission work for a summer. I I led mission trips around the country for high school youth groups for an organization called Catholic Mission Trips. Uh, And I absolutely loved it. And I loved the aspect of crashing into bed at the end of the day, completely worn out and exhausted, knowing that you had given every ounce of yourself to the Lord. Um, I absolutely loved that aspect of of the work I did that summer, both leading, leading youth ministry, kind of. We would give talks, and it was kind of a retreat built around a week of, of service, so giving yourself in physical work and also youth ministry. So at the end of that summer, I decided I was probably a missionary because I loved it so much. So I visited many active communities and spent a year, you know, moved back home, spent a year looking. And I visited five different active communities that year. I'm convinced that, you know, just just the next one would be the right one. And at the end of that year, I had, once again, in adoration, all of my biggest moments of discernment were in adoration. Amen. (laughs) And uh, having a chat with Jesus. And I said, I'm just tired. You know, I'm tired of searching, I suppose. Um, But I also knew it was deeper than that. Um, I had still been doing some mission work things and the searching and the active communities. I said, I'm just tired of trying to do for you, you know, in every and trying to exhaust myself every day. As much as I loved it, um, I could tell that wasn't it. And so God kind of said, well, then don't, you know, stop and just be with me. 
I wasn't ready for that. So, so I um, became a youth minister and I worked in youth ministry for four years in, in New Mexico. In a parish? In or? a parish, okay. full-time youth ministry. Yeah. God bless you. <laughs> oh, it was incredible. I loved it. Uh, and it was a really fantastic experience of and a situation. Like I, my parish was right next door to the public high school. So kids would be in my building almost every day. Uh, and it was awesome, incredible to be a part of kids' lives in that way. But I always knew it was a temporary thing because God kept calling me deeper and deeper. Uh, so it was actually in the midst of that, about two years into youth ministry, I again was in adoration, but at a youth conference, you know, I was working, I was hosting, you know, chaperoning 10 kids at a youth conference. And I said, you know, Jesus, I've given you everything. And which is a big thing to say, <laughs> but in some ways I had in the sense of I had I had given up the my career ideas. I had moved to a different state. You know, I'm a Texan. I moved to New Mexico. I was working full time in a parish and also outside of the work. I was going to adoration and going to mass. And I was living for the Lord at that point. But I said, there's no Christianity without a cross. And I just had this desire to give even more. You know, what? what more is there? And he reminded me of this contemplative life uh, seed that he had planted years before of like, just, just be with me. Uh, and I, my first response was, oh, no, Lord, I'd already said no to that. You know, like, hey, I can't do <laughs> anything this. but that. <laughs> God. But that. Um, and I could never do that to my family mm -hmm. uh, was, was my second thought. Um, but at that point, when I've said those words to God, you know, I've, I've already said no to that. I've gone too far. So um, I finally decided I needed to look into contemplative life. So once again, I did the tour. I did four different monasteries um, looking at contemplative life. But at some point, I remembered, oddly enough, four monasteries later, that I really liked the Dominican charism, specifically in its the way we are dedicated to truth and, you know, really recognizing reality and living with virtue. And, you know, this is how, this is how life ought to be done. Uh, and also, you know, contemplation and sharing the fruits of your contemplation. So in all of that, I, after all of that, I Googled Dominican nuns <laughs> and <laughs> found this website and we have a beautiful website in our, for our monastery. So that certainly helps. Um, and yeah, I came here for the first time the beginning of 2019, I guess, and then okay. it's still a process of discernment. You know, you come for a first visit, um, and it seemed like a nice place. You come for um, a live-in for a few weeks inside with you know with the community, um, and finally entered in August of 2020. So okay, it's been yeah, it was about seven years between when I actually felt the call the first time and yeah. and entering, but it was just always. Um, always God bringing me deeper and you know this whatever I was doing wasn't enough and he said well finally you know just give everything so amen that's wonderful thank you so much for sharing that um, I know that uh Many of my most profound moments have happened in adoration as well and at the foot of the cross. And, you know, um, I, I've mentioned a couple times on this podcast that I'm a, a church musician. So I've, I've spent many weekends since I was 13 years old right next to the Blessed Sacrament right there. Use me, use my voice. And sometimes um, 
I, I really, I struggle with how much of my voice do you want? I'm really comfortable when there's little black dots on a page and the words are all printed out. And now here we are having this conversation. And for me, that's, that's, you asked before we began recording, like, how did you start the podcast? It was actually in adoration. Like, how can I use my gifts more? I want to give more. So yeah, that I understand that. Um, <laughs> it's always though, Oh God, I can't do that. I'm not a pre I'm not a preacher, right? I don't, I'm not a Dominican. I'm not a word of preachers, but I'm also not a priest. I'm, you know, so, um, I just pray a lot. <laughs> my, uh, my title, so Sister Marie Paul of the Holy Spirit, we always have, you know, our inspiration titles. Um, so I follow the spirit all the time as far as like, you know, okay, I need to sit down and have this conversation. Holy Spirit, lead me, you know, yes. speak through me because I can't do this. Um, that was definitely my strategy for youth ministry. I'm not exactly a social extrovert. Yes. Um, so walking, walking into groups of teenagers and you know, speaking in front of them, um, that was just proof to me that this is this is God working through me, you know, because this is not me. This is not something that comes naturally to me. This is not something that I can accomplish on my own. This is, you know, God leading every step of the way. And he allows it to happen. You know, he gives us the strength. He gives us the grace that we need. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think that's an important point when we, we really abandon ourselves to his love he fills all those gaps in us that we say, Oh no, not that, or that's not me. Or those, those things don't come naturally to me. And it's like, take my hand. I'll walk with you. Yeah. Yeah. They come naturally in me. So take them along. Right. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, what are your joys? And I can, I believe your the dog here's name is Sienna. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can hear her. And so I'm going to mention her because I don't know if I can, I'm good enough to edit her out. I can tell I have a dog. So I know that my dog is my joy, but besides Sienna barking in the background, <laughs> talk to me about because I, I look at your face, you're a young woman, and you seem so full of joy. So talk to me about what parts of this bring you that much. To, where Where is that reflection of love that I'm seeing back on your face? So, oh man, so many, <laughs> so many ways. Um, I would say first, the peace and the joy that comes with finding your place, I guess, um, and the knowing that God does want me to be here and just the peace of that and the great freedom that comes with religious life of I know if I am doing what I've been told to do I am following God's will there is a very clear concrete direction um, here about that you know I um, if I'm told to do a podcast, I do it because that is God's will for my life. If I'm told to, you know, make soap, I do that. And that's God's will for my life. So the, the freedom of, I, of the, of the discernment being over essentially, you know, of, uh, of course I'm, I'm a novice. I won't make final profession for five more years to be clear, at least five more years. But so there's an element of, of still uncertainty or discernment there, but knowing, you know, waking up every day and just, as I mentioned with, um, with mission work and the crashing into bed completely spent, knowing that you did everything that you could do. Uh, in the monastery, I have that without having to exhaust myself for it because I know I've spent every single moment of the day doing exactly what God 
wanted me to do and he can use that and so that the joy that comes from that freedom for for one um this another thing is um we live in an adoration chapel you know it's we have adoration all day every day so to be able to come back to the lord constantly uh, is just a beautiful thing and he works in your life and whatever if you are I don't know, having struggles with something or need to chat about something, he's always there. You can go and you can have a chat um, with the Lord. and But also just his, his presence radiates into us, you know, as we sit in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament every single day. We can't help but be changed and kind of absorb some of that love that he's always, always shining out. Amen. Also, the community. Um, we have, we are so blessed in this community, truly. Um, we are, we, we are a very young community in the sense of our median age is about 37. Um, and there's 19 of us in the community now. Um, but also we have a lot of fun together. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of love here. Um, and that's actually one of the things about being a Dominican and our rule. We follow the rule of St. Augustine with our constitutions being um, Dominican. But the rule of St. Augustine emphasizes that we come a way to grow in love. And the way we grow in love is through love for each other. We are here to love God most directly, yes, and particularly as cloistered contemplatives. We are here for God, but we are here for God through our sisters in the way that we, we grow in community and we can love them and, you know, give our talents and our gifts to our sisters and share, share with them. Um, so I'm blessed with a fantastic community that we can grow together, you know, share each other's sorrows and pains. Just today, like one of my sister's brothers, you know, blood brothers was just ordained two days ago. Oh, and so they're here and he's going to celebrate a first mass for us tomorrow morning. And so the whole community is just thrilled to have like a priest in the family, yeah. you know, because we can, we can share the joys of that. And as other sisters are struggling with things. Um, so it's a, it's a beautiful community to have that. And that's where joy comes from as well. Wonderful. That's really wonderful. So you live in an adoration chapel. So we're, I, this is not a video podcast. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested in those until the Lord tells me you have to do that too, <laughs> or someone else communications. So, but, um, just to set the scene for our listeners, we're here, there's a divider between us. We're in a, in a, a parlor, a, a room where you meet the outside people, but you live literally cloistered. You live apart from the world. So you also spend time in the adoration chapel. The, the blessed sacrament is never alone, I assume. So there's always a sister here in New Jersey praying in front of the blessed sacrament, which that's why I can't, I'm here. Okay, love is a vocation. We got to go see this. <laughs> we have to go see the nuns here. So talk to me about, if you if you can, what your day looks like, what the community, how the community does those sorts of ordered things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a very strict schedule in a monastery um, called the Orarium. Um and so our day starts at 5.20 a.m., the rising bell rings. So our entire day is 
dictated by the bell ringing, you know, the rising bell rings, we wake up. Um, so we pray the full divine office, meaning seven you know, segments of prayer a day, essentially. You know, we start with office of readings and morning prayer at 5.55 a.m. And then we have a big chunk of prayer first thing in the morning. So like I said, so office of readings and morning prayer. And then we have private meditation time to prepare for mass at 7.30. And then after mass, we have about 10 minutes of Thanksgiving to spend with the Lord um, after receiving him in the Eucharist. And then uh, mid-morning prayer directly after that. So all told, we have about two and a half hours of prayer to start the day with. Okay. And the prayer punctuates the rest of the day as well. So we have midday prayer right before the main meal of the day dinner. And then we have mid-afternoon prayer. And then we have vespers and rosary in the evening. And then, of course, we end the day with night prayer as well. So the day is punctuated by these times of prayer. And that's when the entire community comes into choir. That's what we call it, our side of the chapel. Um, so the entire community comes in together and prays the Liturgy of the Hours. So it's reciting psalms, it's listening to a reading, um, you know, singing hymns. As Dominicans, we chant every hour. So we're, we're always singing the praises of the Lord. Um, and so it's that constant reminder of, of why we're here. And every, every hour has the focus for the day. And it really sanctifies the day because, you know, in morning prayer, we talk about praising the Lord in the morning and going to work, you know, and (laughs) mid-morning prayer. It's about, you know, like work sanctifies the day and help us to make our work fruitful. Um, In the middle of the day, our midday prayer, we're thanking God for the midday rest as we go into dinner and then recreation and a nap time with profound silence every afternoon. Which some people exercise or, you know, spend in free time, but many of us take naps. And then, yeah, in the evening, thanking the Lord for all the blessings for the day. And and once again, having a time of intercession and bringing to the Lord all of the the needs that have come into, you know, been entrusted to us or come into our hearts. And in, in night prayer, we are able to just release the day to God and have it a time of examine, you know, look through the day. And, and then we say, um, you know, watch over us as we sleep and let us, let us rise again tomorrow to praise you again. So that's the structure of the day. But then between those times, we're certainly not praying literally in front of the Blessed Sacrament all day, every day. No one has time or energy or mental capacity for that. Right. <laughs> so um, we're also working. So we have a work period in the morning and a work period in the afternoon. And work looks a lot like it would, you know, for a stay-at-home mom, but also a business leader, you know, we because we are, we're a monastery. So, you know, there's 20 people that live here. We also have a gift shop um, and an online store. You know, we it's a business. Someone's got to take care of the money. You know, things like this. Right. So, so our work is just kind of keeping the monastery running. There's cooking and cleaning. Um, as I mentioned, the novitiate makes the soap, so we are down there doing that. Someone does the laundry. Um, just household whole household tasks really fill our day, mm-hmm. and yeah, maintenance vocation, emails, that sort of thing. Um, so that's how we spend the bulk of our of our work time. And as I mentioned, recreation as well. We have about 
45 minutes of recreation in the afternoon and 45 minutes of recreation in the evening. So we spend most of our day in silence. Um, at least that's the goal. We are 20 women living here together. Um, so it's not always completely silent, but um, the goal is to... We work in silence and we spend our day in silence in order to spend the time with the Lord and particularly, you know, meditating on what he's what he's trying to tell us. Or, you know, we can take what we heard in the Psalms or um, what we <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> what we heard in Mass, if something stuck out to us as far as um, the reading for the day or something, um, we can continue to meditate on that or you know think through it throughout the day. Um, so that's why we spend the day in silence. But we have two periods of recreation, and that's the time of the day that we can talk freely. Um, so in the afternoon, as I said, my community is, is fairly young and active, many of us. So um, in the afternoon recreation time, we might go outside and, and play a game. We're really into pickleball uh, these <laughs> days. We played soccer last week. Um, so that sort of thing, board games if the weather's bad, you know, inside. Oh, or just we walk laps around the backyard. We have several acres out back. Um, yes. So we, we walk, walk, walk a lot of laps and just chat. Uh, and in the evening, it's usually a more calm recreation, a lot of sitting and talking or playing board games. Um, but just opportunities to get to know your sisters and have a good time and laugh together. So, what did I miss? Oh, yes, throughout that, um, yeah, we have the perpetual adoration. And as you said, you know, there's always a nun there. Yeah. So, and our monastery has a particular tradition of the adoring rosary, which means there is a nun in this monastery praying the rosary before the Blessed Sacrament all day, every day. Um, we, you know, always there, even while we're, so when we're working, when it's your time for rosary guard, you put everything down, you go, go to choir and, and pray. Even during meals, um, there's always a sister in adoration. Um, so, you know, you have your, there's always a sister coming in late um, to a meal. And that is our time, yeah, it, to give even that, you know, our whole life has been here, but to give that portion of the day specifically to the Lord and to keep in mind that that's the, actually the priority, you know, that comes first. You know, you, your work doesn't, your work isn't more important than your rosary. When it's time to go, you go. Um, and we also, because of that, because we have a nun in choir all day, every day, we are able to provide adoration to the public as well. So we have our chapel, our public chapel. It's a huge chapel. It's a couple hundred people. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's, I've been to mass there. Nice. Yes, it's so beautiful. <laughs> yes, it's an awesome. It's an awesome place, and we are able to keep those the doors open so our chapel is open from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day for people to just wander in and you don't have to keep your adoration hours or you don't have to be you know strictly um, making sure it's always covered because the nuns have it covered we're on the other side of the wall we're back behind the altar you aren't going to bother us you can just wander in you know at any time spend a few minutes spend a few hours um, we actually aren't going to know <laughs> so um, so that's a beautiful thing that we are able to have available to the community because of you know our commitment to that on the other side right amen amen i've spent some time in the chapel before um and i've heard you got i've heard you ladies sing it's beautiful is it from one musician to another thank you i think that now more than ever when the world is so stressful 
that the opportunity to come in in front of the Blessed Sacrament and really have that, those, those places of profound silence and rest in the world are so few and far between. We're so, you know, we, we put so many things in front of us that are not God. And the opportunity to just come to a place like this and have, and know that, you know, even me as an, as an adorer, I know I'm not alone before Jesus either, because there's a sister on the other side and she's praying too. And she's probably doing a lot better at it than I am. <laughs> but, but maybe more practice, but, you know, not always more attentive. We are human. That's right. Well, I know that, um, I mentioned that I've spent a lot of time right next to the blessed sacrament singing. And so that, that closeness and I love that your time there when you have your when you have your shift I guess is called a rosary guard because I always feel like I'm the guard as well like you know I'm I've got your back Jesus nobody's getting to the priest without me like I'm right there you know I put on my Joan of Arc armor and I just stand right next to but um I really that's that's a really beautiful to me to know that because there's so many times in my life when I felt very alone and I knew that Jesus was there for me when no one else could be just because of what I was facing. It's not something that anybody else could be there for, but just having the opportunity to come here and, and, and be with the Lord and also know that you're not physically alone as well in the space. So yeah. Beautiful. And as nuns, that's actually one of the, the beautiful things that we are able to do as that's kind of the role of contemplatives in the church as well of like, you know, we, the separation from the world um, often seems like, and even myself before I entered, you know, it seems like, you know, nuns just hold themselves up in the monastery and we, you know, they leave the world or say goodbye to the world, which is not at all, you know, the reality of what we're here for. We are kind of removed from the world in order to get a wider view. So, you know, when you are, you know, praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament or even just having a bad day at home, you know, like we feel that, you know, as the heart of the church, um, we are here praying for you, you know, um, and we get, we get prayer intentions uh, in many different ways. You know, if you can walk in the chapel and write them down or send them online or call us, um, but also just knowing, you know, we, we read the news sometimes in order to know what's going on in the world, in order to know what to pray for. Um, but even just, you know, as the heart of the church, we feel with the church. And that's also part of the, part of the divine office being the prayer of the church. You know, we're, we're always reciting Psalms, all the Psalms, right? So some of them are rejoicing Psalms. Some of them are sorrowing songs or mourning songs. I'm not necessarily always rejoicing when I'm reading this rejoicing song, or I'm not always necessarily mourning, but someone in the church is. And so we are able to um, lift up the entire church from in here. Um, that's actually one of my favorite lines from one of the, the Desert Fathers. So, you know, way back in the beginning of the church, people started going into the desert and, you know, spending time alone with God, mm -hmm. um, which is, of course, where we trace monasticism back to. But there's a Desert Father uh, that says something of the sort of, you know, if I'm trying, if I want to escape, if I just can't stand it in my cell anymore and I want to run away, tell yourself you're holding up the walls in here. 
And I love that line of, you know, contemplatives are, we're holding up the walls of the world. You know, we're holding up the walls of the church. And whatever is going on in the church, we feel that we have that in our hearts and we are lifting that up to the Lord constantly. That's, you know, someone is always praying the rosary in front of the Blessed Sacrament for that very reason. You know, the world needs just to be lifted up and through Mother Mary's hands. And, you know, she's she's got us, she's yes. got us in, under her mantle. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Know that know that we've got your back. We yes. Know it too. <laughs> I just want to uh, thank you again for speaking with me, for taking this time. And I know, um, you know, like you said, you were told you had to do this. So I hope it wasn't too much of a chore to do. Um, but is there anything else like you'd like the listeners out in the world to know about this monastery or your life or? Well, like I said, you know, our chapel is open all day, every day. So definitely come by. Um, and we. We open 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., but actually nine. we're open till 9 p.m. on Wednesdays and Thursdays, so you can come back, come by even later. Um, one of our initiatives for this, for the Eucharistic Revival is um, Vespers and Benediction on, on the second Sunday of every month. So we, we always pray, um, you know, Vespers every night, obviously. Um, but on these Sundays, we're particularly inviting um, the public to come join us. So we're having preachers um, specifically come. And so you can join us for Vespers. We have booklets. If you have no idea what Vespers is, you can just follow along or, or sit and listen um, or, you know, as we chant um, and then ending the night in benediction. So we're doing that this Sunday, right after the Corpus Christi procession as well. So yeah, please join us or just stop by sometime. Um, we would we'd love to have just people stop in and pray. Um, I love when I'm having my rosary guard, I can look out the grill and see people in, in the chapel just stopping by. And it's just so wonderful to see that. And we had a a comment, I guess, or on our website a couple weeks ago of a, of a man who had stopped in and uh, prayed the stations, just spent some time in adoration, and then sent us this message of just like, thank you for providing this oasis, essentially, um, for us to just sit and, and be with the Lord. And that was really awesome to see. And that's exactly, yeah, exactly what we're doing. It's nice, nice, quiet place, silence, silence in the midst of the noisy worlds. And that's what, that's why we entered the, the cloister and, you know, we're... I'm happy if other people take part in that also. Amen. And any extra noise that we hear is really just a family of your, <laughs> a, a very happy family with a brand new priest. Exactly. This is not the normal. <laughs> um, before we close, I just want to thank you again, sister, for spending this time with me. And we'll close with the Our Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.
Heart of the Ark podcast is an initiative by the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. If you want to find us online, you can find us at rcan.org slash evangelization. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Very soon, we'll be updating our social media for the Heart of the Ark, but you can find us on Fireside Podcasts at heartofthearc.fireside.fm. Our theme song is composed by and orchestrated by Eric Hunter, a dear friend of mine. You can find out more about Eric and his performances and compositions at Eric, E-R-I-C, Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, music.com. This has been a pleasure, and I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you in the future.